911, what's the nature of your emergency? Welcome back to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton. Today's episode is your diagnosis is not your identity. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy today's content. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime that it starts to get cold, and mind you, my definition of cold here in Southern California is probably significantly different if you're listening to this in, in other parts of the country, in particular on the East Coast. But when it starts to get cold, there's a certain spot on my body that starts to ache and that I really start to pay attention to, and even baby a little, if I'm honest. And that part of my body is my knee. For those of you that don't know, I have actually had reconstructive surgery on my knee, not once, but twice, and I'm pending a third surgery. And I remember the way that this first started out was I was very young. I was about 10 or 11 years old, and I was out front. My mom had left to the market, and she left me with my older brother. And he was inside. I went to the front yard and my family had just bought a new couch. And my mom would never let us get a trampoline. It was too dangerous, she always said. So they put the old couch out in the front yard until trash day came. And I remember I was so happy. It was a spring day, I think, because I remember it was just kind of crisp in the air. And I started to jump up and down on this couch like it was a trampoline, just having the time of my life. Nobody knew I was there. Nobody was watching. And I was just being a kid, right? And I don't know. It had maybe been four or five minutes while I was jumping. And all of a sudden, my knee snapped I could hear it, I could feel it, and I fell straight, like face first into this couch, and I just started immediately screaming from the pain. And my poor brother, he comes running out, and I'm calling for him, and he, I could just see the look of horror on his face, because being the only girl with five brothers, you can imagine how responsible he felt in that moment, especially seeing that I had gotten injured and then not knowing what had happened. And this was back before we had cell phones, so... He babied me a little bit while we waited for my mom to get home from the market. And that's when this sort of shift, this really pivotal moment had changed for really a great deal of my adolescence and my childhood. And we we went to the emergency room and I remember having to see um, more than 10 different orthopedic specialists because nobody could figure out what this issue was. And it wasn't until we found a specialist here at one of our local hospitals called Loma Linda that they finally discovered that this was very similar to an injury that many performance athletes have. And I found a sports medicine pediatric surgeon that was able to operate on my knee. And it was it was embarrassing, actually. I remember so many times being in these offices and it looking so weird. It's kind of hard to explain, but every time I straighten my leg, my patella, my kneecap, it will shift over to the side significantly, like a good almost two inches over. So it looks kind of creepy, I'll admit it. And um, it's something to see for sure. And so there's residents and other people who have just never been exposed to something like this. So I remember sort of being like this show and tell for a lot of the different doctors. And that's something that's always stuck with me. But I had my first surgery and tons of of rehabilitation. I was off of school for an entire year. I had a homeschool teacher come to my house every day during the week. And when I was finally able to go back to school, I remember I missed my entire sixth grade year. And going back to school for seventh and eighth grade, um, 
I was really shining. I was an ASB. I remembered how much I loved being in school, being with my friends. And ninth grade comes along, right? You look forward to going to high school. And my friend went to go give me a hug and he kind of jumps on my back to give me a hug and snap. My knee goes and I go down again. And I look up and I see this look of horror, very similar to that of my brother's, of my friend Greg. And, um, the ambulances were called and I had to go to the ER, get my knee drained. Long story short, saw a couple more surgeons. There was a little bit more advancement in technology and in medicine. And I had surgery again. And I remember from that moment, especially my parents would come to my room. They would cry with me and they they sheltered me with so much love. But what they also did was shelter me. And they sheltered me in the sense that I was labeled with this diagnosis of inhabilitation, restrictions. And maybe it's the same for you. Maybe you have self-diagnosed yourself, or maybe you've been diagnosed by a medical professional, and you put these limitations on yourself, and it starts to feel like you're wearing this banner across your chest. Maybe yours says PTSI. For me, it says, my name is Ashley, and I can't do things as simple as run. And it feels like everybody can see this label, but the truth is that you're the only one that can see it. And even more so, you're the only one that's allowed to take that sticker and peel it off. And I didn't understand that until I was in my early 20s. It wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I was finally able to start to do the things that my friends got to do maybe 10 plus years before that. Simple things like getting on an elliptical machine, Simple things like a stair climber. It sounds silly, but it's the truth. My my level of physical fitness was limited to what I was able to do at my physical therapy center for many, many years. And then I allowed my parents and my doctors to maintain these restrictions on all of the things that I couldn't do. I couldn't play sports. I couldn't do karate. I couldn't ride BMX with the boys. Growing up with five brothers, you always want to do the things that the boys are doing. I was definitely a tom girl growing up. And when I got into my early 20s, I started to realize that the more and more that I tested my limits, the more and more that I allowed myself to become vulnerable with me, the more that I was capable of doing. I was able to take that sticker and rip it off for myself, not telling anyone but I was able to see just exactly what I was and was not capable of. And I started to ignore all of these whispers that I can hear from the past from my parents and doctors and my brothers and all the warnings. And I started to grow. And I started to take ownership for who I was in the moment, who I am to this day. Now, sure, there are challenges that come along. Days like today, waking up and having my my knee ache doesn't mean I'm going to go hop on the elliptical all day. And the same is true for you. I know that as you sit there right now, there is something that you've been labeled with. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a a name. Maybe it's a word that people keep calling you. I know that there is something deep inside that you think that you have taken on as your identity. But I also know that these diagnoses, diagnoses, there we go, these illnesses, These labels that other people place on us do not make you who you are. We hear on TV, and maybe you've gone to one of these classes yourself. I know my kid brother has gone to many, where you step into an AA room and you raise your hand, I am Ashley and I am an alcoholic. 
I just so happen to not drink, but I'm using this as an example. You are not your illness. I want to make that very clear. Now, they they use that technique in order for you to be able to, to self to take self-responsibility for your actions. However, I do believe that there's a problem with labeling yourself as such. Because it would be just like me raising my hand and saying, I am Ashley and I am fat. Well, if I was fat, that would mean that I am always going to be fat. Being fat is not who you are. There's always a way for us to change who we identify as as a person. And I don't think it's fair for society, for other people, for doctors, for our parents, our siblings, our friends, for anybody to try to put a label on who we identify as. Sure, if you're stuck in the nuance, if you're in that motion, especially if it's something new, I want you to know that you can always change. I call it PTSI for a reason because I certainly believe believe that it's an injury. I do not believe that it is a disorder, a disease. I believe that if you have experienced any form of post-traumatic stress based on a single incident, or for most of you listening to this, incident after incident after incident, it does not make you who you are. It does not identify who you are. And I, I also believe that the more and more that we take on ownership of taking on the identity of I am Ashley, I am a diabetic. I am Ashley, I have migraines. I am Ashley and I am ugly. If we take on these identities based on what one person or many people try to say to us, what does that do about our self-confidence? Every morning when you wake up, you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to identify as being that illness, being that injury, being that inadequate thing, but that is not who you are. And instead, if that's you, I would recommend doing something similar to what I did, waking up in the morning and looking in the mirror and telling yourself that you're going to be better and how you're going to be better. It's true. Every morning, I have this this ritual that I do when I brush my teeth and I am my own cheerleader. Imagine how different your life, your day, your world would look. If the one simple thing that you did, the one simple thing that you changed within your daily routine was to have your own daily mantra, to be your own cheerleader every single morning, first thing in the morning when you wake up. Now, how much would that change your identity? How much would that change who you genuinely are? And how much truth would sit on the backside of that? And not only that, but think about the personal ownership that takes place when you're the one who decides your identity. And you take the control out of other people's hands. I'm going to leave you with that and know that no matter how difficult the world might seem, no matter how crazy things are right now, you are appreciated, you are loved, and I am sending you a long, tight hug from my home to yours.